No. Of course your health is serious. The reason I did this was to make people take the right thing seriously and give you tools to see what you know isn't going to help you. A lot of people stand to profit off you taking the wrong things really seriously. So I'm just trying to cut through those narratives. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to the show. Just a reminder that the next episode, the $100 Lululemon gift card giveaway winner will be announced. And if you have not entered, you can leave a review of the show or share my post on Instagram from one week ago, which is a clip from the show. Either way, make sure you tag me, your name is attached, whatever, so that I don't miss your entry. There are about 20 people entered right now, so your odds are good. And before we dive right in, I do want to give a quick warning that right around the 33 minute mark, we get into a story that mentions heart attacks and early death. So if that is something that may be hard for you to hear, feel free to skip ahead about four minutes. With that, today I have on a guest that brings a lot of personal experience. He has an incredible weight loss journey, tons of helpful tips all the way up until the very end of the show. He is one of the hosts of Low Carb Hustle Podcast, which is a huge show, and I feel incredibly lucky to have him on. Please welcome Adam from Low Carb Hustle and Podcasting Business School. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. And I joke that we're here to argue about keto, but I have a hard rule in life. I do not argue with anybody that I don't respect. Because what's the point, right? I respect the hell out of your journey, everything you've accomplished, all the people you've helped with not only your story, but also everything you put out. I really, really wanted to bring someone on the show that has maybe a different point of view from me and different experiences from me, because I really want to make it clear that there is not a one size fits all approach. That's my whole thing. However, I obviously primarily work with people that are performance based in glycolytic sports like CrossFit. I tend to steer people away from keto. And that's just kind of my default. I, however, do know a lot of people that it's really worked for. Obviously, this whole thing has gained a massive cult following. So Adam is here to basically give me the other side of it, give me his perspective, give me his ideas. Welcome to the show, Adam. How are you doing today? Heather, I am awesome. It's an honor to be here. It's always cool when another podcaster allows me to come on their platform and kind of tell a few stories, uh, get my big old podcasting voice out there on their airwaves. And that's, uh, it's really, really fun. It's something I've been doing since 2016. You know, my story, I launched with the health podcast. Now I'm full-time in the teaching other people how to podcast space, but I, I really enjoy your energy. I enjoy your show and what you're doing out there with your brand. So let's rock. Awesome. Awesome. I'm so excited. You have a really, really remarkable weight loss story. And not only is it incredibly impressive what you've accomplished, but you've also maintained your results, which is a massive feat. I think everybody knows that the hard part is typically not even really losing the weight. Of course, it's difficult. Of course, there's obstacles and things like that. But keeping the results is 98% of the battle. You have to learn how to maintain this new way of living in order to keep all of the hard work that you've done. I would love for everybody to hear about the journey itself, but also the challenges you faced along the way and how you've made it so sustainable because you have sustained your results for a decade or more. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So my journey is pretty interesting because like, I know I get promoted now as this keto and low carb guy. That's the methodology I've been using for the last three years. But like my weight loss journey was very simple. And it wasn't keto at all. And let's see, 2007 now, man, that seems like a long time ago. Were you even born then, Heather? I don't even like. <laughs> I was 96, so you're okay. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So we're good. So I, in 2007, I weighed 327 pounds. 
It's interesting because when I graduated high school in, in, in 1999, I weighed about 185 pounds and I fell in love with strength sports. I was a basketball player. I'm from Indiana and I always played basketball growing up. So I was very active, you know, good athlete. My senior year, our basketball team was really good. Like we were ranked number seven in the country, like number one in the state, big deal. So we hired a strength coach for the first time. And I met this guy named Big Doug and Big Doug got me hooked on being strong. And I gained a bunch of muscle. Uh, I remember I was so proud because I, I bench pressed like 275 as a senior in high school. I'm like, this is, this is great. Uh, I learned how to deadlift. Just I just fell in love with that. So I, instead of playing basketball in college, I decided I wanted to start competing in powerlifting and strength sports. So I started doing powerlifting. I started doing Scottish Highland games where we throw like the caber and I'm wearing the, like I own two kilts to this day, Heather. Like I'm just saying. Uh, St. Patrick's Day is like a religious experience in, in my ne- neck of the woods when I rock the kilt. I got into strength sports. I started lifting heavy. I started competing in powerlifting. I remember my first, uh, I competed at deadlift nationals in 2000. And, uh, you know, and they call it nationals, but anybody can enter. And there's like four people in my weight class or whatever for my age group. So it's not a big deal, but I deadlifted over 400. I was like, and I'm six foot three. So like, you know, that's a long way to pull. So it's like, a big yeah, range of motion. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is awesome. But then I soon realized that everyone I was, I was competing at 198 pounds and I realized that everybody I was competing against was like five foot two and I'm six foot three. And I'm like, okay, must gain weight. So I go up to the 220 weight class, my, my freshman, between my freshman and sophomore year, and I compete in overall powerlifting uh, junior national. So it's for like, you know, college age kids and I get second. Now I'm squatting 500 pounds. I'm benching over 400. I'm deadlifting close to 600. Like I'm really starting to get this, but I still get second place to some five foot tall guy. I'm like, must go up in a weight class. So I go to 242. Same thing, you know, pulling mid sixes, you know, benching mid fours, still getting beat by five foot tall guys. So I'm like, let's go 275. So by my senior year, I'm 275, still finished second. But then I'm really getting big into Highland games. So I'm like, all right, I'm one of the top five amateur athletes in Highland games in the country, thinking about going pro, getting sponsorships, all that deal. I kind of go that route, but I'm also developing eating issues, eating disorder tendencies where now I'm just eating the hell out of everything. And it's just like, it's this, I can't stop situation. I'm I'm lifting super heavy, training really hard, big as all get out, but like, I'm just a never ending pit of food consumption and it's not all good. So I'm like getting like the the Weight Watcher dinner meals that I'm eating for, I'll, I'll eat like a couple of those for snacks in between my other meals. You know what I'm saying? Lots of calories, and I'm putting on a lot of body fat. And eventually, like I said, I topped out at 327 pounds. I remember the last Scottish Highland Games I did it was in Estes Park, Colorado. It was at elevation. It just sucked because I was big as hell, kind of like sleep apnea type, not breathing well. Can't walk upstairs. Like I, I sucked at my competition because it was at elevation, and I'm like, oh, I feel terrible. I left all of my competition gear there in the hotel. I'm like, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm going to start dropping weight. I'm going to get healthy again. So that was one of the things that really spurred on. All right, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to stay strong, but I'm going to lose weight. You know, fat guys, shout out to any fat guys out there that are over 300 pounds. What we think is if I just get to 299, I'm going to be shredded abs. And I was like, that's what I thought. So I get to 299. I've got this world famous picture that I, I, used to promote all over my website of me when like, I thought I was looking pretty damn good. And I was like, I just got under 300 pounds and I look at the picture. I'm like, 
still fat. Damn it. Uh, so my weight loss journey, I lost over a hundred pounds. It took me five years to do that, but I've never looked back. Like I float between 225 and like 235, but like, that's like, I ain't going back to 300. No, no way, no how. But the really neat thing that happened here, Heather, is that as I started losing weight, you know, when I was heavy, I was doing strength coaching. You know, I'm just helping athletes get strong. Doesn't matter if I'm fat as hell, just like whatever. I'm helping everybody get strong. Everybody squats 500 pounds. Everybody benches 400 pounds. Let's just get strong as hell, have big old butts, and let's be great athletes. That was my goal. But as I started losing weight, other people started taking notice and they're like, Can you help me lose weight? I'm like, Cool. Here's what I'm doing. And honestly, Heather, all I was doing was sweating every day. I started doing a little thing. There's this thing called cardio. I've never experienced it before. Then I started just cleaning up. I started eating snacks in between all my other snacks and meals. From 8,000 calories, I was like, okay, let's do like 5,000 calories. And I'm losing weight at 5,000 calories a day. People are like, you know, what's the key? And I'm like, well, if you hire me to do this, I'm going to hold you accountable. I want you to email me your, your report every day. And if you don't, I'm going to come find you. And they're like, oh, damn, this just got serious. So I started helping people. Other people started losing weight. And I love that so much. That I sold off all my sports clients. I, I gave them to other people. I was in with the high school. I was like every high school team I was working with. I'm like, I don't like babysitting all these high school kids where I'm like, I'm creating these amazing like Russian periodized squat programs and they just go and do biceps curls in the corner because they don't care. Uh, so I was like, I'm done with this. So I got rid of all my athletes just start doing weight loss. And I decided this is like 2009 ish when boot camp fitness just starts to blow up. So I'm like, all right, I got to find a place to do a boot camp. I rent a yoga a martial arts studio. I rent space from a yoga studio and I rent space from a Pilates studio. I'm like, I got 15 people that I convinced to do this. They pay me 500 bucks. Let's just see what happens. I got them sweating. We're doing a lot of pushups, just calisthenic type stuff, kettlebells, whatever. And we're eating clean and they're reporting to me every day. That group of 15 people lost like 300 pounds in eight weeks. And they all start going, well, who's next? One of the smartest things I did was I took before pictures of every single one of those people and I had the, the after picture. And I and this was back in the day when Facebook showed everybody everything. You post it, everyone sees it, not 6%, everyone. So in my next boot camp, I had like 30 something people. Then the one after that, we had 60. And after that, we did about four years of 100 person boot camps, four times a year, 500 bucks a piece. You run the numbers, it was pretty good business crushing it. By the end of the five years, not only had I lost 100 pounds, I had helped 15 different people in my hometown lose 100 pounds. We had done 35,000 pounds total out of all the clients. And I had like this 8,000 square foot facility, like all the stuff was happening. And it's 8,000 square feet. The walls were wallpapered with before and after transformations. You couldn't even get out of the wall unless you've lost 30 pounds. That's the minimum barrier. Like we had so many transformations of like 50, 60, 100, 150, 200, like whatever. And people just walk around going, wow. And no other gym in town was even saying they helped anybody lose any, any weight. That, so it was more of like a get healthy weight loss thing, but it was just eating clean, being like keto wasn't even a thing, but I didn't know what keto was. Like it's just eat clean, sweat, be consistent. And I created this thing called the amazing results formula where it's like consistency with your nutrition, consistency with your fitness, and then consistency with that over time equals amazing results. So that's, that's my long story. 
I love it. This is my kind of take, and this is what I tell people. And nutrition has gotten so sciencey, which is a good thing. We've learned a lot about nutrition. It's a very new field scientifically, um, especially relatively speaking. So most of the time, most people have a general idea of what they're supposed to be doing. Most people, they've not, okay, probably if I'm going to choose between cheesecake and chicken and vegetables, they know what the choice is to reach their goals. It's not that, right? It's really how they make that choice and how to continuously make that choice. You being surrounded by not only people that are doing the same thing as you, but you're in a leadership position. That changes everything. People are now looking to you. And do you think that that, accountability, even though maybe they weren't coaching you and giving you coaching accountability, there's a high sense of pressure, I think, accountability anyway, just from being in that position of authority and helping all of these people. Was that kind of a key to making this a long term ordeal? Yeah. So I love this question, because it helps me talk about I name things and you listen to my podcasting show. And like, I have I create processes I try to define the journey. People in the health space, anybody that's out there doing business, this is a great business tip. If you can define the journey for your ideal client or ideal listener or whatever, then you own the market because you're the one that defined the journey. So I created this process that I call the transformation timeline because everybody's just out there trying. I'm trying to get healthy. I'm trying to get stronger, but they don't know where they're at. So I define the journey. I'm like, all right, there are three phases. The first phase I call the black hole of fitness doom. This is where most people, they never escape. All right. They start a program. It's like a a vortex, like a circular thing. So imagine four interconnected arrows, the top arrow, start a new program. Next arrow around the side, get some results because it's a new stimulus. We know how this works. Bottom of the circle, life happens. Not ready for that. Life threw me a curveball. Uh Oh, got sick, got injured, got a divorce. Kids started school, whatever. Life happened. I wasn't ready. Crash and burn back where we started. Let's try something else. And people don't accept responsibility over the bottom of that circle, that life happens moment. They blame the top. Oh, that program didn't work. Heather's CrossFit didn't work. But it wasn't Heather's CrossFit program. It was they got a divorce and quit trying. Or they their kid went to school and is a pattern disrupt. Or they had an injury or they lost a workout partner. To escape that first phase, I go, all right, we have to be able to solve the bottom of the circle. We have to be ready for every life happens moment. If you can identify, plan ahead, for those moments and be ready, now we've got a fighting chance. So spring break, I'm sure you've had some clients that like they're fired up for spring break. Then after spring break, it's, Man, it's been three months in spring break. Where's Johnny at? You know, and they, that's the pattern disrupt. So that's the life happens moment that, that, that leads to that crash and burn loss of results, regaining of weight, loss of momentum. And they go through that cycle over and over and over. It's time, it's money, it's effort. It beats people down. Every time it gets harder, we know metabolically speaking, especially with weight loss, lose a bunch of weight, gain it back, back and forth. It's harder every single time. We have to be ready for those life happens moments. Once we can start solving that, which for me, it was coming to grips with my overeating and adding accountability. Like you said, that was key for me to move into the second phase, which I call finding balance between your health and your lifestyle. Because that's the next real hurdle I'm sure you hear this as a coach all the time, Heather. It's like, Heather, I know we're working really hard right now, but I can't maintain this forever. It's not maintainable. Like, I can't do this forever. And I'm like, cool, you're exactly right. But what you've been doing before you got a hold of me or you got a hold of Heather, you've been out of balance towards lifestyle. You've been drinking too much, eating too much, partying too much, not taking care of you. Now, to equalize that, we've had to spend a certain amount of time 
rebalancing, which means being out of balance towards the health investment side of that equation. All right. So that's where you're, why you're feeling that strain right now. And they're all like mind blown. Ah, oh, this is exactly right. I'm like, it makes sense then, right? Now we're rebalancing. And my goal of this next phase that you're in that I'm defining in phase two is we're going to start to find that balance to where maybe it's a few less workouts, a couple more evenings when you can go on date night, a few more glasses of wine, you know, a few less burpees, but we're going to find that balance now, now that we're getting results and we're dipping our toes into phase two, we're going to find that balance where you're like, I'm healthy. I'm feeling good about my health. Everything's still going in the right direction. Maybe not quite as fast, but that's okay too. But I'm also feeling like I'm not sacrificing so many lifestyle points. You can't go back to drinking with the boys every night, but maybe once a week, you know, it's not pizza every night, but maybe once a week or every other week. So we find that balance. Then to get to your question, another long story here, I'm, I'm world famous for these. The third phase is what I call new purpose, new identity. That's where you hit the nail on the head with your comment earlier. Like I started leading other people. I had a new purpose. I had a new identity. I wasn't the guy on a personal weight loss journey anymore. I was leading others through their weight loss journey. That's how we secure not gaining our weight back because that's what everybody fears, the backslide. And what happens, Like you, you've got 100 pounds to lose like I did. You're getting all these back pats and, and all these accolades and everybody's like, man, you look great. And you know all these things along the way and you run out of real estate to lose. You, know, you run out of real estate to sell. If you own 100 acres, you can only sell 100 acres. You know what I'm saying? So all of a sudden, you're not that person anymore and you don't have that momentum and that like high of everybody cheering you on. And you kind of start to feel like everybody's waiting for you to gain it back. And that pressure starts to come back. So that starts to eat on you. So you have to have that, who am I now? Talk with yourself. What is going to motivate me to keep showing up at the gym for those CrossFit workouts at 5 a.m. with Heather when she makes me do all these damn burpees and I hate her? You know, like, like what, what's going to make you show up? So you have to find that new you, that new purpose, that new identity. If you're able to go through those three phases and secure that, then the cool thing is you go through it again. Because maybe they're like, all right, I'm in shape. I've hit my goals. Now I want to start competing in CrossFit or do a, uh, an adventure race, a Spartan race. So now you go back through and you have that initial phase of learning something new. You have to become accountable. You're going to move into that second phase of trying to rebalance your life again. And you go into your third phase of, all right, now what? Now what's the next thing? And we keep going through that. And you know, I know Heather is a great example of this. Like She's continuously putting herself out there outside of her comfort zone to keep leveling up. But that's the process, that, how I kind of defined it. And I hope that's uh, helpful to your audience here. That's insanely helpful. And I love the way you defined each step. The thing you said that stands out to me the most was you have to become the persona. And I talked about this on my last podcast with my last guest. And I also talked about this. I did a podcast and it's called How to Get Abs, The Guide to Extreme Results. The whole kind of purpose of that podcast was saying, okay, so this is exactly what you want to do. If you want to have dick skin veins on your abs, you are now going to be the person that brings Tupperware to every event. You're leaving at 830 to go home and get your sleep and you're doing all of these different things. And when you talked about lifestyle and that balance, the point of that podcast was to show people that that extreme, yes, it exists and you can do that. And there are people that like living like robots. They're 100% are. That's totally great for them. Most people don't want to live their life like that. And you have to find yourself on that spectrum. Okay. What amount of sacrifice is worth it to me? And how does that bring me to the results I want? How can I find the middle ground of that where I can still go on date night? I can still live my life like a normal person, but I'm also very much satisfied with where I'm at because of it. 
when that's out of balance and we have to go farther to one side, exactly what you said, coming out of that is very difficult because there's almost this rebound that happens if we're not careful, especially if we find people chronically dieting, we find people chronically just beating themselves into the ground and they snap from one end of the spectrum to the other and back and forth and back and forth because you are leading people from a place of, I am doing this with you and I'm also now completing the other side of it. I am keeping this off. I really do believe that that's the hardest part. You can snap from one end of the spectrum to the other your whole life. It's fun to do fad diets. It's fun to go, oh, I can't eat anything. Telling people about how strict you have to be and bring your stupid juice cleanse to parties. Like that gets you the attention. And as you said, (laughs) the validation that you're looking for and people go, wow, you're not eating anything. It's only celery juice all day. Oh my God, that's so, so virtuous. And it's not, it's bullshit. It's a way to tell your that you're trying really hard and then you snap back to the other end you have to become the person that you want to be you have to really identify i am now a person that digs the stairs i am a person that doesn't skip workouts you are now the person that helps people and keeps them accountable and you are now the person that is an example you've identified with that so it's a lot easier to then act accordingly you can't really act accordingly if you don't truly believe these things about yourself and actually personify them now I really wanted you on my show, like I said, because I don't promote keto too often. And you didn't do, you know, your initial weight loss journey with keto. As you said, it was like not really even a thing. But I love having the other perspective because now you are into those things. And I do want to hear about it. Obviously, I steer people away from it just a little bit. And that's not to say I've had clients that are like, I'm on keto already and it's working for me. Like, can you help me make this sustainable and make sure that, you know, when I transition either out of it or I transition into not a fat loss phase, I don't want to be the person that cuts out any carbs whatsoever and then I can't sustain it. I'm all for it. I definitely don't have anything hard and fast against keto, but I think that it's pretty restrictive for most people. And most people don't tend to live a life that it's super helpful long, long term. What I want to hear about is your transition sort of into that world and that cultish thing that keto is. And that's coming from a CrossFit gym owner. Keep in mind, keto is a cult, (laughs) CrossFit is a cult. We're all in these different cults. And right now I want you to tell me about your cult. I want you to tell me what is so magnetic and so just enthralling about keto and how do you find that your clients respond to maybe when you tell them that, oh, maybe this isn't the best idea for you, or maybe this is a really good thing this could be really helpful for you. Just sell your cult to me and then I'll sell my cult of push-ups and burpees to you later. <laughs> oh, I hate burpees. Uh, so, <laughs> um, you know, full disclaimer, as somebody that's been through a lot of journeys and helped a lot of people, I feel like there's no one it's keto and everything else. Like I don't believe in that shit. And I hate the people that try to be the most correct. And I hate all the Instagram battles that are like the keto versus the vegans. And they're all just talking shit to each other and being really mean to each other. I'm like, yo, we're on the same side of the battle here. It's us versus obesity. It's us versus disease. It's us versus diabetes. That's probably like a five to 10% optimization difference, depending on what they're going to stick with the best. I'm not a be keto or we're not friends type of a guy. Let's talk about why it works really well for me. Uh, I love meat. I am a hunter. I will sit up in a tree and kill things and then eat those things. I'll eat the heart. I'll eat the liver. I'll eat, you know, I'm the tongue, whatever. Uh, I don't eat the balls or anything like that. You know, I'm not, I'm not there yet, but my, my friend, my co-host on low carb hustle, Danny Vega, he's 
he's tempting me with like his Cuban recipes and things like that for deer nuts. Um, so you never know. I'll report it on Instagram if I do someday. I love keto. I, I'm down with meat. I love fat. I'm very satiated with like ribeyes and bacon and fatty cuts of meat. I don't personally, like the main food groups of typical keto, it's like ribeye, coffee, bacon, cheese. Like those are like the four main food groups of keto. I don't do a ton of cheese. I don't like cheese. Uh, I do some coffee. I hardly eat any bacon. So for me, it's like if I'm eating ribeyes or something that I killed and some organ meat, I'm pretty good. My other co-host, Robert Sykes, the keto savage, he is a uh, bodybuilder, a natural bodybuilder, highly competitive. Dude's like ripped to the bone. Both my co-hosts are. It's, it's makes me sick. Like I'm, I'm a big old boy that has like the former powerlifter body, but these guys, like they have the dick skin ab thing. Like that was a great description. Uh, that, and I can't get that out of my mind now. So I'm like, <laughs> but I'm going to use that for, for both you of know, them. No, my apologies. That's, that's a rough one to take on. I'm sorry about that. The dick skin ab awards. <laughs> Um, exactly. So I'll never be able to look at my co-host the same again. Damn it. <laughs> so my buddy Robert makes a product called a keto brick, which is it's a thousand calorie, perfect keto macros. It's got like cacao butter. It's freaking delicious. So I'll do that. We call it meat and bricks. I eat meat and keto bricks and I'm good. It's very simple. I can stick to it. And that's the key with a nutrition protocol. I don't care whether you're keto, vegan, whatever. If you're, if you can stick to keto at 80% effectiveness, and you're vegan is 15%, then you need to go keto. If it's the opposite, then go vegan. Whatever you will stick to the best. And then you look at from a performance perspective, you like what's your body responding to the best? Like some people do really, really good being fueled by by ketones. Other people crash and burn, like death. They feel like they, they just, you know, they can't even get out of bed. So that's where having a really knowledgeable coach like Heather really comes in to affect here. Like she knows what she's talking about. She knows the science. Another one of my favorite females in fitness, her name is Rachel Gregory. She's got, I need to introduce you and Rachel. She's got a show called Metflex and Chill. It's about metabolic flexibility. So Metflex and Chill. She's a former CrossFit athlete. She was one of the first, I think it's the, she did the first official study that was published in a medical journal on CrossFit athletes. And it's really interesting. I'll, I'll make an intro to her, but she does metabolic flexibility where she's big in the keto space, but she adds carbs back in strategically for athletic performance. She can kind of go back and forth because she went through her keto phase, low carb being fueled by ketones. And that's kind of a nice home base. So then when she does add carbs back in, it's just for performance uh, enhancement and the chief she can easily slide right back into ketosis. And so it's a nice place to be. So I think there's a nice happy medium, but for me, like it's very easy. I can do deadlifts and pull-ups and, you know, like my Olympic lifts and things like that. I can, I still do low cardio. I love my rogue sled pushes, uh, like, you know, get some farmer's walks and stuff like that. And I love picking up heavy things, but then I eat my, my meat and bricks and that works really good for me, but it's not for everybody for sure. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's kind of my perspective on it. Yeah, I think that's a really good perspective too. And like you said, you said something very interesting there that I actually look for when I'm consulting with clients. I listen to the way they talk about their meals. I always ask, you know, what's a typical day look like for you? And the way you just said that, you're like, I have my meat, I have my brick. Like you said, the brick is a thousand calories, right? So you are very cut and dry. It sounds like you don't mind doing the same things. The routine works for you. Even the simplicity, it just seems to be a positive for you. Yeah. For some people, that is very much not the case. So they're like, I will die if I eat a brick and a steak every single day. Like I, that sounds like hell. And there's people all yep. like in between. But I typically find that 
certain people, I tend to start on tracking. And that's just a way for me to get a general idea of what they're eating. And I find that as a side note, anybody that comes to me and they're brand new and I go, how's your protein intake? They always go, I eat so much. So much. You have no idea. I so so much protein. And I'm like, okay, so like, what do you eat? And they're like peanut butter. And I'm like, okay, fuck, here we go. (laughs) I had a yogurt cup three days ago. Does that count Heather? Right. Exactly. So (laughs) I need to get an idea of what is this person actually eating right before I make adjustments? Because unfortunately we tell ourselves a lot of stories and we all do it. And that's why coaches have coaches. It's a thing, but you saying that the way you've said it, I eat my meat, I eat my brick, like I'm good. If you're a person that is not so much that way. And so now you eat your meat, you eat a thousand calorie keto brick. And I'm like, oh, like that was kind of boring. I had that yesterday. Okay, I'm just gonna like grab this. Okay, like I'll have another brick. Okay, okay, maybe I'll have a half of one. Now you're at 6,000 calories for the day, real fucking quick. And <laughs> knowing the difference between that, exactly as you said, what is actually sustainable for me? And stop trying to fit yourself into a position that isn't actually sustainable for you. Stop trying to be keto or stop trying to eat really high carb or start trying to be whatever it is if that's not the box that you fit into. And the way that you talk about how keto is a fabulous tool for a lot of people, it really works. It's simplistic. A lot of people don't track doing keto. Like you don't have to be weighing your food out. And for some people, that's a massive detriment. And there's things about it that work. And then what my approach has always, always been, if someone comes to me and they're on keto or they're on whatever diet they are on, I always ask them, they came to me. So clearly something isn't working, right? So if everything's dandy, they're typically not going to be like, you know what? I should pay someone a bunch of fucking money to do what I'm already doing. There's always something about it. But what I always ask is, okay, what did you really like about this? So this worked for you for a little bit. What are the aspects that you really liked? For you, it might be, oh, like, I really like the simplicity. I like eating the same things. I like not having to think about it. Like, it's easy. So for that person, I'm like, okay, we're going to have like baseline meals. You're going to find 10 staple meals that you can eat all the time. And we're going to balance the calories so that it works for your goals. And we're not going to track. We're not going to do all these extra things. We're going to keep it simple. For other people, they're like, I am so fucking bored. Like I need to do something else. And that we go the other way. I love that you are so realistic in your approach. And I know you don't do health coaching anymore, but I met you through podcast coaching and you're the same way there. So like there's certain things that I was like, well, you know, with my podcast, this, this, that, or the other thing, you're like, okay, well, like, what if you thought about it this way? And what if instead of trying so hard to do that, we did this instead? I'm not the best coach in the world. I don't claim to be. I do find, however, that the best coaches in any aspect of health, of podcasting, of whatever the fuck you're coaching, you have to be able to adapt to the person and you have to be able to look at the situation and go, okay, clearly X, Y, and Z. So we have to stop doing A, B, and C. It's very obvious when you look at a grand scale, but some people, they're so, so focused in, they can't even see straight. And I love the way that you take in all the other aspects. Do you find that the patterns that people fall into, it becomes very obvious what's the missing piece? And tell me about that a little bit more. Yeah. So great question. What a great interviewer you are, Heather. Oh, Um, (laughs) I learned from the best. So thank you so much. (laughs) To me, whether it's back in my health coaching days or, or business coaching, podcast coaching, I look at like, where are points of resistance? Where are people whacking up against that wall and they can't get past it? Stoicism is something that I study. I love like all of Ryan Holiday's books that are amazing. Ego is the enemy, obstacle is the way. Third, whenever it's called, is you know, another trendy name. But you look at it and you go, okay, what would this look like if it were easy? 
That's a great question. That's a great filter. I first heard Tim Ferriss uh, put that out there. I'm like, all right, if you're beating your head against this weight loss wall, what would this look like if it were easy? And just try to like imagine that and then untangle this jumble of, of thoughts that we have and just get a, a nice little through line from point A to point B. For a lot of people, it's ego. Like in the weight loss space, like you said, the thing that really wore me out in the weight loss space, like you mentioned, I don't do the, the coaching anymore because you know I put in a decade, I did my thing and I was tired because people want hand over money and they feel like they make it transactional. And they go, I need help. Here's the money, fix it. And it's like, all right, you're handing me the money. I'm going to give you the recipe. You still got to cook the meal. A lot of people just never get that. They have that ego of, I gave you the money. I gave you the 500 bucks for the boot camp. How come I haven't lost 50 pounds already? No, you, you get the recipe. You got to cook the meal and the cooking the meal is going to take consistent effort. And if you don't do that, you aren't going to get the results. Until people can get over that transactional mindset, that isn't the end of the story. Like that's where the journey begins. The transaction has happened. Now let's get to work together. They're paying for the opportunity for results. And now we got to put in the work to get them. That's where I found a lot of people really bumping their head up against the wall. They're used to like, I need help with something. I pay for it. I get help and it's done. And, and changing your health for the better is totally different. And it's way harder. Maybe the hardest thing that you ever do, but you're worth it. Let me give you a sad example. All right. Uh, this is towards the end of my, my career as a gym owner. We had a gentleman come in and he signed up for an eight-week boot camp, paid us 500 bucks. That's that's the deal. They have certain classes they go to. They get to pick their nutrition protocol. We help figure out, like we've, we have from vegan to keto, like the whole gamut, but we're going to find the best fit for them. So we pick their nutrition program and then they have to report in every day with a certain report of what they did for their fitness, what they did for their food. They report in every day. I sign everybody an accountability coach. Day three, this guy sends his email and he's like, I don't have time to do this reporting thing. Can I do it without the reporting? I'm like, no, you, you pay like it won't work if you don't report every day. He said, all right, I'm out. Five weeks later, dead of a heart attack, dead. All right. I'm not saying that if he had stuck with it, that we would have been able to help him get healthier. Like he was way overweight. He was, he was morbidly obese and it wasn't worth sending an email every day to get that fixed. The why has to be bigger than the sum of all the why nots and the why nots won. And you got to find your why before your why finds you. And that guy's why came calling in form of a heart attack and he didn't survive it. Wife, kids, like that's sad. Uh, you know, who knows? He may have died the next day doing burpees on my gym floor, but like, I would have loved to have the opportunity to pull that guy to the healthy side of the equation, but I can't do the burpees for him. I can't, you know, drive him to the gym. I would have loved to have an opportunity to change that guy's life and save that guy's life. And that's the thing we don't know when it comes to our health. Like when you sign up with Heather, you, you go and you do a boot camp or you do, you know, you, you get healthy. Like you don't know what you avoided. I, that's the technology that I would love to see. That is, but like, that is that's, one of the craziest stories I've yeah. ever heard. That is heartbreaking. Oh my God. Yeah. I can't push the importance enough. I mean, look at the state of the world right now. Like it's horrific and it's so sad that we are in this world of, if you don't make time for your health, your health is going to make time for you. And you either make time for just even, not even just physical health and like your weight and just like purely numbers things. But if you don't make time to make sure you're well all around mentally, physically, spiritually, whatever aspects you need to work on, people that have their health want 
5 million things throughout the day. And they always say that people that don't have their health only want one thing and that's their health. And I have personally experienced someone very close to me. My sister was very, very sick for a long time. And I watched her just fight and fight and fight. And it was like, there was nothing that she did wrong. She was like a little kid to watch people take steps towards going through something similar just because they just feel like they're too busy. And that is valid. And I think that that's something that gets overlooked. And, I, and I'm very like this, I can kind of come off well, like you need to fucking make time like that's not that's your own issue. Like you need to figure it out. Like you need to prioritize it. You're an adult. Like I always say, like you need to eat like an adult. But we do feel that way. There are people that they're like, well, I work a hundred hours a week. Like I have to support my family and I have to do these things. And it's crazy. These it's not that they have all of these excuses because I think excuses are bullshit and these aren't bullshit reasons. However, there has to be a point where you go, okay, like you're making all of this time to support your family and all of this. Like, do you want to be around to see it? Or do you want to be around and not really be able to move or have these chronic illnesses, chronic illness, the statistics on it are vomit inducing. They don't seem real. Like you look at them and it's one of those things you're like, that's, that's crazy. Like no, no fucking way. And it's real. It's very real. Although that story is heartbreaking, I'm very glad you told it because sometimes we need to strike a nerve. Sometimes a nerve needs to be struck and we need to feel very overwhelmed, even if it's in a negative way to make change. There are things in my life that I've had to be like, oh my God, like what the fuck am I doing right now? Like I need to figure it out. That is sometimes the catalyst. And if feeling like shit can be the catalyst to living 40 years longer and being there to see your grandchildren and being there to live a life where you can move around with your grandkids. I'm good with it. I'm coming from a good place and I care and I'm never, ever going to go out and like purposely make someone feel like garbage. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I am saying is at some point there has to be a realization. And if that realization doesn't come, it's very dangerous. I really appreciate you sharing that because although it's deep and it's, it's hard to listen to, it's the reality and we can't just avoid reality and hope for the best. Yeah, exactly right. And like I said, you either find your why or why finds you and you just got to hope and pray that you're you're able to survive it. And some people do and some people don't. So you got to keep that top of mind and know why you're you're working out, why you're putting in the reps, why you're, you're getting in, eating clean and grocery shopping and doing it consistently. Usually there's got to be an emotional root to that. It can't be that I want to look good in my booty pants sort of thing. That'll only get you so far. It's like two competing stacks. Like I've got little kids that do Legos. So it's like one Lego stack of the why and one Lego stack of the why not. If the why not stack is higher, it wins. Whether you're talking financial goals and you're in debt, relationships, if you're in weight loss, competing in CrossFit, whatever. If the why nots win, the goal is done. That's why people don't accomplish their goals. So you have to make sure that the power of that why is bigger and it's emotionally rooted. So if you're on a weight loss journey, you got to think about what if you weren't around? Who's going to be impacted by that? Whether it's your pets, your coworkers, your friends, your spouse, your kids. We have to have that top of mind. You know, the alarm goes off at 4.46 a.m. It's like, got to be a CrossFit class at 5 or 5.30. You don't hit the snooze button because you're like, all right, I'm worth it. The people around me are worth it. The results are worth it. So let's go put in work. I couldn't agree more. And I talk about this often and I am definitely a broken record. And my clients are like, Heather, shut the fuck up. Like, we get it. We're going to find our why. Like, please leave me the fuck alone. Like, I'm cooking dinner. I have just absolutely nailed it into everybody's head that I can that I have never not in my whole career, not a single time 
ever seen someone come from a place where their why is shaming themselves or hating themselves or external like my boyfriend like says I'm fat and I'm like so throw him in the garbage like you need to find it out for you like you can that can be the catalyst it absolutely can be the catalyst but if at some point you don't go I want to feel so good like I deserve to feel good I deserve to feel confident I deserve to be able to make this competition or do these things because I'm working my ass off like I I want this it has to come from a place where you are at least somewhat excited about what could be and what you can do and so proud of your efforts like the shit isn't easy if it was easy everyone have a six-pack like it's not easy I want to be around for x y and z and I want to feel this way and I want to go on this vacation with my family and I want to be able to run around with my kids and swim and do all of these different things that has to be it. It can't just be from a place of, oh my God, I hate myself so much. Or, oh my God, like I'm, I just, I'm so far from my goal. I appreciate you sharing all of that with us because that's huge. That's a very impactful story. And I, I know a lot of people that listen to my podcast have already kind of started on their health journey. Most people that don't give a shit, don't listen to me bitch about it for like hours on end. But that being said, I hope that people can kind of see like your efforts are worth it. They're a thousand percent worth it. There's no better investment you can make than the investment in yourself. And you've said that to me. I've said that to people. Everyone says that to everyone. It's not just some cheesy line. It's a thousand percent true. Last thing I want to ask you is what's missing? What are most people missing? What do you think is the biggest disconnect thing that doesn't quite get through thing that people can't quite wrap their head around, whatever it is? What is that magic pill that everyone seems to be looking for, but is right in front of them? Easy accountability. Like the ego is the enemy. The ego is that wall that we say, I've done 30 different diets. I've lost 30 pounds 10 different times. I should be able to do this on on my own by now. Why can't I do this on my own? So we beat ourselves up and we don't ask for help. Achieving something hard. And like I said before, getting healthy, reclaiming control of your health may be the hardest thing that you ever do in your life. So put yourself out there and give control to someone else. You have to give up control to another person or program or service. And that's the thing that's right there in front of us. Guys are really bad at this because even if they do get help, they'll go work out in the dark shadows of their basement by themselves. And it's like, I'm just going to tell everybody I figured this out. I'll emerge from my shell fit and we don't do it. What I found is like the women are the ones that they find a cool program. Like, come on, come with me. Let's all do it together. And the guys are like, no one will know that I've I've given up my, my control and someone is actually helping me. 90% 90% of my gym members were female. Like, cause it's like, they go bring other girls with them. Like, let's go. This is awesome. So, but yeah, like just giving up control, sacrificing your ego, you will get results so much faster if you just release that. And it's not up to you. Like, it's not all on your shoulders. Release all that stress and all that weight and just let it go. Uh, my six-year-old sings that shit every day, uh, multiple times per day. I've seen the movie That's thousands of times. good. You have times. a reminder right at yeah. home. I love that. I, mean, I can <laughs> sing it. I can sing. The, I know every word. I won't you know, damage your audience here. They'll start hitting that unsubscribe button. But yeah, letting that ego go and allowing someone else to help you. Dial in with what Heather's got out there. Find somebody that you really resonate with and say, I'm ready. I'm, you know, For things to change, I have to change. For things to get better, I've got to get better. And then once you give up control and trust that person, bring your trust level to where you are unafraid to implement and really give it an honest chance. You got to give it at least 28 days, but no matter what you try, do it for 28 damn days before you start program hopping around. You know, I I think I'm going to start something else, but it's already Thursday. 
cheat days for the rest of the week. And then we'll start something new on Monday. That's program hopping. You'll get zero results. And it's really bad in the podcasting space. We're good at what we do. Heather's very convincing, isn't she? Like she's like, she's laying out expert status and she drops a new tip. You want to do that right away. So another pro tip would be, Hey, I'd keep an idea bank, an Evernote file or a Google sheet. These are all the things I'm interested in. Here's all the shiny objects I could chase, but I'm only going to implement one new variable at a time. You know, Heather talked about intermittent fasting or, you know, Olympic lifting technique or whatever. All right. Don't do everything all at once. Don't fire every arrow in your quiver all at once. We don't know what's, what's the thing that's really hitting the target. So release the ego, ask for assistance, implement ferociously and continuously. You know, I always tell people, listen to podcasts, like we're here to sharpen the ax, but a sharp ax is no good unless we swing it and swing it every day. Let's yes. swing the ax. Health Let's for swing it, baby. I love it. And I love, it's so funny that you just said that because the other thing that I bitch about my clients with, and they probably have nightmares about is I have every single one of them between like six and 12 weeks into my program, a minimum three month commitment. I don't work with anybody that does not want to work with me for at least three months, about halfway through that time. I have every single person make a success list and it's a list of hyper specific things that work. It's purely personal. So for people, it might be if I don't start the day with a glass of water, X, Y, and Z happens. If I hit X amount of fiber, this happens. Like it's so specific to them. I ask them to talk about timing. I ask them to write down what environments it works in. Is there something that works for you if you're a teacher during the school year, but doesn't work during the summer, put that on your success list. And you just build a map of all the shit that works specifically for you. And that's no one else's. Like you can't sell that program to anybody. This is for you and your life because everyone's different. You have helped so many people. And I love how you talk about the action. You talk about doing the shit that needs to get done. And I appreciate the hell out of that. And I also want to thank you for sharing your weight loss journey with us because that is so inspirational. And so many people think that that's just impossible, especially people that come from a place where they are a long way from where they want to be. Losing a hundred plus pounds is no fucking joke. There is no easy way to lose a hundred plus pounds. And you have to put in some serious time, some serious effort. And I love that you told us how that was a five-year journey because I think people also want to do it in the next week and we're out. Where can everybody find you? I know you don't do health coaching anymore, but you do podcast coaching and you're a part of like the keto cult official podcast, Low Carb Hustle. Tell us more about where people can reach out to you, where people can find you. Yeah. The Low Carb Hustle podcast, anywhere you listen, you can go check that out. We have a lot of fun with it. I joke around a lot. We have unique sponsors. Like there's this like penis enhancement thing that sponsors us. And I talk about the gains wave all the time. I have funny ads. So it's entertaining at the least. So you can check that out anywhere you listen to podcasts. Like maybe you want to launch a health podcast or a weight loss podcast like I had with Million Pound Mission. I help people launch shows. I help people launch, grow, and monetize. You can check out that whole brand at podcastingbusiness.school. We've got Podcasting Business School podcast as well. So uh, you can catch me at Low Carb Hustle on Instagram. DM me. And just like to put this out there, Heather is like, if you guys are listening to this, you're in the right place. You're well taken care of. Heather is somebody that I believe in. So I'll put it out there. I haven't done a health interview in over a year because I'm so focused on my business building brand. That's all I do is business. Like I won't take health podcast interviews because I don't coach health anymore. I don't monetize in that way. But Heather approached me. She came on my show for a little podcast session. I just believe in her energy and her intensity, her intensity to help people. When she asked me to come on, like normally I would have said, no, I don't do health interviews anymore because it's not on brand. But I was like, I got to show up for this, this young lady because I believe in what she's doing and the way she's doing it. All right. So I, I just wanted to 
pay you that compliment uh, and let you guys know, like, if you are liking what Heather is putting out there for you, then hit that subscribe button, hit that follow button, whatever you're listening to and drop her a rating review and make sure that you tell her that this was your favorite episode ever and better than (laughs) everyone else. (laughs) I so appreciate that, Adam. I will link everything for Adam below all of his stuff. And you should definitely check out his Instagram too, because he posts a lot of good shit on there along with his co-hosts. They post great shit as well. So everything will be down below. Adam, I cannot thank you enough. Thank you so, so much for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. (laughs) 